listening to Divorce Happy Hour, your source for everything you need to know about divorce in New Jersey and beyond. My name is John Nockinger. I'm your host today. I am a co-owner of New Jersey Divorce Solutions, a divorce and family law firm located in central New Jersey. Today is a very special episode of Divorce Happy Hour for two reasons. One, we are simulcasting this episode on video, which we don't do all that often. And more importantly, I have a very uh, very good friend and a very uh, close colleague who I've known a very long time as a guest on the show, and um, I'm really happy that she's here. So I'd like to welcome Allison Sutak to the show. Allison, Hello. <laughs> Allison is a partner at Arndt & Sutak, which is a divorce and family law firm located in East Brunswick, New Jersey. If you'd like to reach Allison, you can call her at 732 867 8894. You can also find her on Facebook. You just search Art and Sutek. I think that's how you're going to find you guys on Facebook, right? Art and Sutek Law it comes up. But yes, I think if you put Art and Sutek, we're probably the only one that would come up. Oh, good. Well, that is really good. And Allison and her partner started their firm um, not too long ago, and they're already kicking it into high gear. They're already kicking butt and taking names. Well, thank you, John. <laughs> um, so again, Allison just practices divorce and family law. Is there anything beyond divorce and family law that you do? No, not, not at this time. Not at this time. Correct. That's good. You know what? Continuing to keep it just divorce and family law, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I agree. This well, way, you know, we're, we're very familiar with the ins and outs of what's going on in divorce and family law because that is our one area of focus. We don't have to worry about being sort of jack of all trades, master of none. No offense to my fellow practitioners who may do <laughs> other things. Well, I think a lot of people would agree. Um, I always tell people you would not go to your general practitioner to get brain surgery. You would go to a brain surgeon to get brain surgery. So go to the people that really know what they're doing. Um, so before we get to the topic today, which is divorce mediation and um, everything you need to know about divorce mediation, um, I guess just want to ask you, how are you doing, Allison, in this coronavirus uh, quarantine that we're all in? Uh, I'm hanging in. It's, it's been a struggle. I have two kids at home, one who's the same age as your daughter, school age, six years old, going on 16. And, uh, you know, she's got to get her virtual learning on. So that's mom's job. And uh, I've got a baby at home who's also just about 10 months old. So I've got my hands full and I'm currently locked in my home office, praying that no one comes and bangs down the door while I'm here doing this uh, discussion with you. Well, you know what? If, if your daughter does come in, it'll be like that scene. I forget who it was, like maybe a BBC reporter. That, that just always cracks me up, but that's how it's been for the past couple of weeks. I really feel like that's how it's been. It like never ends. Um, every time I turn around, I've done so many consultations where um, I didn't realize, but my daughter's been right behind me just looking I'm like horrified. But then again, no one cares right now. It's like, no, one, yeah. no, no one cares. Um, <laughs> so this topic today is really near and dear to my heart because I spend almost all of my time mediating now. And I just think that it is the best way to resolve cases. Um, and particularly now when access to the court is limited, um, and every county has a different definition of limitation, what that means, right? Um, but it does mean you can't just show up at the courthouse and walk in and, and file something and try to be heard right now. There's a, a little bit more to it. But um, 
I guess right off the bat, Allison, I just kind of want to know, what is your general opinion about divorce mediation? I love mediation. I'm a huge proponent of mediation because you never want a stranger in a black robe deciding your life and your future. And I know that's kind of cliche. That's the speech that all the judges give before early settlement panel. But it's so true. The judge has a huge docket. The judge has a million cases that they have to go through. So why would you want someone who's got, you know, two hours of their day to focus on your life when they've just heard the same stories about other people's lives? Why would you want to put that in somebody else's hand? Why wouldn't you want to keep the control with the help of your attorney and, of course, a qualified mediator to get you where you need to be? And yes, you have to give up some things, but I just think it's the way to go all the time. Oh, I could not agree more. And I think one thing people forget is that the judges have heard the same stories over and over. I mean, your life is unique, but it's not so unique that it's totally unlike anyone else that's ever been in front of the court. I mean, it's very similar. So usually, I mean, there's two times you go to mediation, right? Well, I mean, there could be more than two, but there's usually two big times. One is extremely early in the case before you've spent a lot of time and money, either before a complaint has ever been filed with the court um, or early on in the case. And the other time is later in the case when you're forced to go by the court to mediation. So when do you think mediation is most effective at settling cases, early on or later in the case? Uh, In my experience, I think later in the case is most effective because I think a lot of people who, who haven't been through this before, which is most people, they go in thinking it's like law and order. We're going we're gonna to go to court and we're going to have a big fight and you know, I'm going to have my day in court. And there's something to be said for that. People deserve their day in court, but it's not like that. It's almost People never have like seen that. my cousin Benny one too many times, I think. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so really, once they've been through it for a couple of months and they realize this is nothing like I thought it was going to be, I'm hemorrhaging money, I, I, I've never even seen the judge or I saw the judge and the judge didn't really care what I had to say, then they're at mediation knowing that their next step is trial, which could be three months from now. You could start three months from now. You may not finish for another six months. And then when do you get a decision? I don't know. So I think when they go to mediation on the eve of trial, people are more likely to say, look, you know, the rubber's met the road. I've got to cut my losses and see, you know, what's really important to me and what am I willing to let go? I think early on in the case, emotions are really running high and a lot of people they're not ready to let certain things go. They want to just, they want to be heard. And I completely understand that. But I think you've got to get, they've got to go through the, jump through the hoops a little bit before they really get to the point where they're ready to fully settle the case. And that's why I think later in the case is, is really more effective. Okay. So what about right now with the coronavirus um, crisis happening? Does that change your opinion at all about when mediation be most effective? Let's say you have someone that just came in who's ready to start their divorce right now. I mean, are you handling it any different than you were before the crisis started? Yes, yes. Right now, I would encourage everybody to go to mediation. Even if they say, I've got to have my day in court, their day in court, I don't know when that will come. Because like you had said earlier, every county is different. The state has issued its order saying, okay, the courts are closed to the public. However, we're still, we're going to do as much as we can remotely. But I found Every single county is totally different. Some counties, you can't get anybody on the phone. Other <laughs> counties are having Zoom court live, which is nice, except that the whole world can watch. 
I don't know if anyone knows that, but if you go to njcourts.com, you can watch the live court channels. And frankly, I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize that their personal business is being aired for all to see, anybody who happens to log on. I mean, for, for lawyers, it's heaven right now to get to watch well, yes. all this. But <laughs> I'm with you. Why would you want to expose yourself? And it's really interesting. I mean, um, we have a judge, a judge in Middlesex County, actually, who um, just is now just picking up the phone and calling us and having us send stuff to this judge's personal home. Um, and there's other judges you can't reach if you, tr if it doesn't matter what you do, you could show up at their door, you know, as a bloody corpse, you know, knocking on it, please let me in. And they're still, you're still not going to hear from them. So you're right. It's so different, no matter, depending on the judge, depending on the county that you don't want to risk it. You don't want to risk it at all. You don't want to file anything. There's some counties where they think certain things they're going to deal with, uh, quickly now, like parenting time disputes in other counties where they're, you know, telling you to go take a hike. I, I'm not dealing with any parenting time disputes right now. You can wait to be heard, you know, in 2021, whenever we get back to business as usual. Exactly right. Yeah. So when you go to mediation, there's um, different people that can mediate your case. Um, there are some mediators out there that are not lawyers at all. And those would be people that are maybe accountants or psychologists, or there's some people that just maybe went to law school and never graduated law school, or never uh, became a practicing attorney that are uh, mediating. But most of the time, it's a divorce attorney or a retired judge that mediates our cases. So talk to me a little bit about your opinion of which, which one do you favor, and is there certain cases that are better suited for an attorney mediator versus a retired judge mediator? So, um it really depends on the case. I have some cases where if it, whether it's my client or the other side, sometimes you just get someone who they're not going to believe anyone unless that person has judged before their name. So those are cases where I would really try to hone in on a retired judge because the, those litigants need to hear from someone who says, Hey, I sat on the bench for 20 years. I decided thousands of cases just like yours. And I know judge so-and-so quite well. And I can tell you exactly how this is going to go. So you really need to think about getting this done today because it's in your best interest. And as much as I love using attorney mediators as well, an attorney mediator is not going to be able to say that because they don't have that life experience. However, on the other hand, sometimes you get someone who, number one, just needs to be heard. They want to tell their story and they want to feel like, you know, someone with a gentle touch, I guess you can say. <laughs> they need to be heard and then, and then they'll be willing to compromise after they've told their story and they feel like that attorney has heard what they have to say. I think sometimes with a retired judge, because not that their time is more valuable, but they get a lot of business, retired judges. So I don't know that maybe certain retired judges that I've used, I'm not sure that they're interested in hearing what some of my clients have had to say. So I pick my mediators based on the personality. I have some people who need a firm hand, quite frankly, which I have a handful of mediators. I know these are the firm hands. I have the numbers people. You would be a numbers person, John, certainly. <laughs> not saying you're not firm, but when I think math, I think John. Um, and I have some who just, they need to hear. I'm retired judge so-and-so, and this is how this is going to go. And it's, 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 I think, an art form, selecting your mediator. Because a lot of times when you go into mediation, not so much now, because I think now you really need to, you ought to go right away when you're starting your case, because I don't know when you'll get to court. But I think a lot of times when you're going to mediation, you've got a trial date looming, and this is your, your one shot. You know, some judges, they say, look, this is your firm trial date. I'm not adjourning this. 
that's great that you have mediation two days before the trial, but I'm not giving you any more time. So you want to make that time count. So you really have to pick your mediator carefully. And I think that's right. And um, in addition, a big consideration for a lot of people is the cost, because the, the one thing about retired judges that's um, very difficult to make certain clients understand is they're going to be expensive. I don't think I've ever mediated with a retired judge that didn't cost less than, you know, $3,500 to $5,000 for mediation, um, mostly because they bill between four dollars and $500 an hour. And so, uh, and, and those judges spend, they spend a lot of time reviewing things in advance. They really, um, they're very prepared, which is very good, but it's expensive. You've got to pay for that privilege, right? And a lot of people, depending on where you go to mediation in the case, if they go near the end of the case, they may be low on funds, and that's that's a little bit hard for them to swallow. They're like, wait a second, I got to pay you, and I've got to pay the mediator. What's what's going on here? Um, so I, I really hate, though, trying to find cheap, trying to go cheap with mediation, too. So it's like a, it's a balance. You got to find you got to find the right balance. I mean, there are very good mediators that charge low hourly rates because they truly love what they do and they want to help the community. Um, but really, I think that you're right. You've got to find the right personality, the right fit. There's some people that when they hear a retired judge speak, they actually listen. And uh, right. you know, that's, that's her stuff. And um, I particularly, I think on a lot of my male clients, sometimes they just need somebody who's going to just make them listen. And, uh, and then sometimes you do need that, that soft hand that's going to be able to just sit and listen to someone tell the story for the 900th time that, you know, that their, their husband's been cheating on them with the neighbor and now he's moved into the house next door and he's in introducing the kids to, you know, the new girlfriend, even though she's been the neighbor for the last 15 years. And you, they, they've told the story, you've heard the story a million times and, you know, you, you kind of sleep with your eyes open while, you know, <laughs> while your client's telling the mediator for the 900th time. But, you know, I think you're absolutely right. So cost is really important. Choosing the right mediator for the right case is always so important because if you don't get buy-in from your clients i mean what's the point right i mean the whole point is for them to find some resolution so okay so you selected your mediator you got the right person for the right case you know you and your adversary have you know fought about who the mediator is going to be and you've made your decision <laughs> um i love that i love the adversaries by the way who are like whoever you want i'm like i love that Whoever I want. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> Sounds good yeah. to me. Not the ones where you go down the list and they're like, no, 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 which I know you've seen both of those before. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, so, okay, when you're going to mediation, what is it you tell your client to expect? I mean, is there just, do you, do you differ but, but depending on who the mediator is or do you just have some blanket advice for your client? I always tell my clients to go in with an open mind. Because some people say you, you drag them to mediation kicking and screaming because they say, it's been months. I just want this done. Why do I have to go to mediation? And I tell them because the court said so. So we're going to go. But you want to make the most of your time. And I, I would say probably 95% of my cases settle at mediation. So I tell them, keep an open mind. And most of the time, in fact, I, try, I tend to shy away from mediators that put everybody in the same room. I find it's much more effective when they caucus, which is me and my client in one room and the other party and their attorney in another room. And the mediator goes back and forth. And that can be more expensive because it's, it takes a little bit longer. They've got to hear from one side. Then they've got to go to the other side, hear from them. Then they've got to come back. But I just find it's better when everyone feels like they can speak freely. They can speak to the mediator. 
They can tell the mediator, you know, what a, what a filthy dog their husband is and the mediator's going to understand. And then the mediator can take that and kind of, you know, t take it with a grain of salt and say to the other side, your wife is very upset. So here's what I'm thinking we should do. And I just, it just works so much better that way. So I think I tell people, cause I have a lot of clients who get nervous and say, Oh my God, am I going to have to sit with him? I'm going to have to sit across the table from him and he's going to be staring me down. I'm really <laughs> uncomfortable. I tell them not a problem. You'll never even see him. Sometimes you'll, they'll see each other in the very beginning. Some mediators will say, I just want everyone to come sit at one table and I'll let me lay the ground rules. And that's okay. Um, but I, I really like it when they say you're in one room downstairs, you're there in the other room, you know, three floors away and you'll never even have to see each other. In fact, you won't even have to have lunch together. Just sit here and, and we'll get through it. And I find that to be really effective. I, I could not agree with you more. Um, I've never done mediation. Well, actually I wouldn't say never. Sometimes if there's no attorneys and it's just two people coming in off the street and they're kind of on good terms, then they can sit in the same room. I think that's probably the only time having people in the same room for mediation is a really good thing. But almost every other time, it makes no sense to have everyone in the same room because everyone's going to hold back something if they have to right. say in front of their spouse. I just, I've never seen anyone who will be completely forthright. And then there's that, that hangnail issue because they weren't able to talk about it at mediation. That becomes the reason that you go right up to the day before trial still fighting about about a settlement you thought you had at mediation because you know that one that that issue just wasn't dealt with. So um, I, I I think you have to be in separate rooms. And right now it's really interesting because we can't actually have real mediation or actually physical mediation. We have to do it over video conferencing, Zoom and whatnot. It's really interesting. I use breakout rooms on Zoom, so I've got like. On one side of my screen, I've got one person. On the other side of my screen, I have the other. I, I just go back and forth. So my steps have not been as, as plentiful as a regular mediation <laughs> session. But I will tell you, it's still just as effective. But what I find really interesting now that I really love as a mediator is I can see the other person's you know, video going while I'm talking to their spouse. So I'm always seeing, like after I'm done talking to them, what their reaction is, whether they're you know, crying whether they're, you know, look like they're angry, whatever's yeah. going on. And it's that thing that I never get to see as a mediator when I leave the room to go to the other side. I never know what's actually happening in that other room. So it's actually a really interesting new world that's happening now. Well, have you gone through uh, Zoom? I'll say Zoom just because that's what we're recording this on. Have you been through a video conference mediation? So I haven't. I had one that we were supposed to have and we're close to settlement. So in that case, we actually pushed it off two weeks and I think we're going to be able to resolve it without. So I haven't, but that's I didn't even think of what you just said. Well, right, exactly. Hopefully that's better. It's certainly cheaper for the clients. Um, it saves, saves time and money. But you know, what you just said, I didn't even think about that, that you can actually see when you walk out of the room, you know, which you normally wouldn't see in the live mediation in person, you can see if that client's, you know, screaming and throwing things, if they're crying, if they're, you know, dancing a little jig, you know, <laughs> I need to think about that. So have you been, have you been through a mediation before where, um, cause part of some, part of what we want to tell people today are stories from actual mediations that have occurred. <laughs> um, what have you, have you been through something in mediation where your client in caucus and caucus, for people that aren't lawyers listening, uh, Allison just said a minute ago, but that's when you're talking to the mediator without your spouse or without your spouse in the same room. 
have you been in a situation where your client has disclosed something material? Um, I've got a hidden bank account. I've got something going on. You know, I'm, I'm about to get a new job or I'm about to get a bonus or whatever. And they're like, they're telling the mediator, but you can't tell my, my uh, spouse that. Have you ever been through something like that before? Um, I'm sure I have off the top of my head though. I think, I don't know if maybe I, I school my clients ahead of time. Like, listen, you better tell me everything right now. Don't be, don't, don't, no surprises essentially. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of a story well, like that. I, you're, I, you, I think you actually give, you probably prepare your clients pretty well then. Um, I can tell you, um, having mediated for many, many people, and I mediate for lawyers I've never heard of before all the time. Um, first time I've ever heard of their name is when they call to schedule mediation. Um, very few attorneys prepare their clients for mediation. Ugh. Very few. Um, the amount of stuff that comes out of clients' mouths that I can see the reaction from their attorney, like this is the first time I'm ever hearing this, is astounding. You would not believe. I would say more than half the mediations that happens. And a lot of times it's something pretty material. Like, um, you know, for example, a bank account that wasn't disclosed. And clients are always quick to be like, oh, I told you about that. I told you about that. And it's, it, you know, it's just, it's really, it's really hard because then you put the meter in this spot where they know, they know that, you know, the other side doesn't know something and it kind of puts it into a weird, a weird predicament. So I always say that mediation requires full honesty and transparency. And if you're not going to be fully honest and transparent, you shouldn't be in mediation. Because uh, one thing that people forget is if you, you know, if you commit fraud, you don't disclose something doesn't matter what the agreement is. The other side has a recourse. I mean, they can, they can say, listen, you did not disclose something. Yeah. Um, and now that's why, that's why before mediation early in a case, that's why almost everyone requires some minimal level of disclosure. So at least you've got something that you can hang your hat on. Um, we call it a case information statement in New Jersey, but it's really just an asset liability and income statement that someone signs under oath. So at least you've got something to hang your hat on. Um, what, what documents or what materials do you think you should be sending to a mediator in advance? Cause I can tell you that varies very widely. <laughs> well, certainly a case information statement because that essentially tells like you said, in New Jersey, we call it a case information statement, but the mediator needs to see what's in the marital pot. What's, what are your assets? What's your liabilities? Um, you know, what, what are we dealing with here? What, what are we trying to settle? And you know, if you're going late in the case, then you should have already been to early settlement panel, which in New Jersey is something we do here. I'm not sure if other states do it as well, um, but Except at least for then right you now, have some of kind of. <laughs> then you've got a position statement, and if you haven't done an ESP statement, then you should at least write some kind of position statement. Hey, here's these are the issues in the case. This is this is my client's position on custody. This is my client's position on alimony. These are the big things so that the mediator can look at that ahead of time, read what the other side has to say as well. And then when everybody sits down at mediation, it's much more productive because the mediator's not hearing your position for the very first time. I, I love when I go to mediation and I have a mediator that says, look, I've read the papers. I've, I've, I understand both of your positions quite well. And I have some great ideas for how we can settle this case. And I think I've watched my clients kind of like a weight has been lifted. Oh my God. Here's someone, this person's going to be able to help me. Here we have someone with a solution. 
And those are my favorite mediations. I hate it when the other side doesn't, doesn't give their position. So then we're going in going, I know our position, have no idea what theirs is. Hope the mediator can work some magic today. That happens a lot. Um, <laughs> and the other thing that happens a lot is someone will submit a very outdated position statement um, where perhaps they submit something that was from three months ago. And in those three months, there's been a lot of discussion and maybe you've settled a couple issues and um, you show up at mediation, the mediator thinks that, you know, these five things are in dispute, but it's really these three other things because you've made all this progress. I just don't understand why people don't prepare better for mediation. Um, I mean, the whole point of going is, number one, you don't want to just sit there. I mean, you're, you're educating the mediator at whatever, 350 an hour, 400 an hour, instead of just submitting these papers that they can read really quickly. Um, and, and it's not very helpful because quite frankly, um, the other, what happens a lot is when you submit those outdated statements, the other side isn't really aware of what's in dispute anymore because they got those old statements in from the mediator. And I feel like it takes like an hour just to get everyone calmed down and on the same page of what issues we're there to talk about as opposed to just being able to open up and get right, right to business. I mean, I know some mediators, um, do powwows, they spend an hour, you know, let me talk to this side, let me talk to that side, let's go through all the issues, how does everyone feel, does everyone think this is correct? I mean, really, if you do it right, what I like to do is when we start mediation, I start mediation, open right up and say, okay, here are the three issues in dispute, what is your position, let's go. Because, I mean, I don't need to hear it all again. I mean, I now know how judges feel where they're like, I don't need to hear about what happened in 2013 when you guys went to Florida one time and he got drunk at a bar at Disney World and, for, and left your kid at the seat for three minutes and now how that in 2020 needs to impact how I make this, a custody decision today. <laughs> now I get it because it's like, tell me what, you need, what we need to know. Like what is actually important? And I think that's why you're right. Choosing the, the right mediator for the right case is the most important decision an attorney can make. And attorneys that don't know which, which mediator is the right mediator for their case are doing a terrible disservice to their clients. I mean, I really feel that if you're not, if you're a newer attorney or you're out of county coming in, before you get late into the case, you should call or email p attorneys in that county and start mm -hmm. asking, who should I be using? Who's an, who's an aggressive mediator? Who's gonna get in my client's face and scream at them? You know, who's gonna be able to hold my client's hand? Who's really good with numbers? Who's really good on custom parenting time issues? Mm -hmm. If you don't know those issues and you select the wrong mediator, you might just be costing your client money. I mean, the mediator might still settle the case, but instead of it taking, you know, three hours, it might take five sessions to get it done. Yeah. So and yeah, it's just so it's so important. So what do you like best about mediation as opposed to other parts of what you do as a an attorney? I like that in mediation, it's usually if it's late in the case, it's the rubbers met the road. We have to whittle it down to what the most important things are. And you have a third party who doesn't have a horse in the race, if you know, speaking, I guess, in metaphors, but this is someone who says, look, these are the facts. In my experience, this is how I think this case should settle. And sometimes the client just needs to hear it from somebody else. It's not that they don't trust what I have to say, but they've got to hear from someone who's just saying, look, 
I've been doing this for 25 years, you know, especially with a retired judge. I've dealt with your exact case a hundred times and I'm telling you, you're not getting X, Y, and Z, but you might get this. So maybe you want to focus on that and let X, Y, and Z go and that'll settle the case. Um, I think especially when you have someone who's a little bit unreasonable and as the attorney, they want you to fight for them. And I understand that, but sometimes if they have a very unreasonable position, it's difficult to keep advocating that position and keeping the client happy at the same time when, you know, some people don't want to hear from their attorney, look, you're not going to get this. They're not ready to hear the hard truth, but they'll listen to it when it comes from a mediator. So I kind of like that. Sometimes the mediator can, can kind of be the bad cop for you. Well, that, that works. Well, see, that works if the attorneys actually set the real expectations going into mediation. Um, I see that quite a bit where the attorney has led the client to believe something that's never going to happen in a million years. And they think the mediator is just going to cure it all just by, you know, waving a magic wand. But, you know, it's hard when someone's been told, you know, if someone's been told, oh, I've been married for two years and I make $5,000 less than my spouse, I'm going to get alimony. Um, it's hard to get them to see something else. Um, I, I've had people, I've, I just had a case recently where the attorney attached text messages to the mediation submission evidencing an affair with the other, with the other spouse and the boyfriend. And I, I brought him into my office before we started. I go, what the hell is this? Like, yeah. seriously, what is it? Why are you giving me text messages? Oh, well, my client wanted me to submit them. I go, well, do you do everything your client tells you to do? He's, well, it's important for alimony. I go, do you understand, do you even know what the law is in New Jersey? I mean, do I really, I was like, I don't know if we can even do this today if I have to educate you what the law is. Um, it's just really, it's just really unfortunate. Um, and so I had, he goes, well, just tell my client. So he wanted me to actually go in and educate his client about all the things that he didn't know. And that happens far too often, which, which is a whole different discussion for a different day. And maybe you come back and we could talk about it, which is how to choose the right lawyer to represent you in a divorce. Because uh, far too many people, the dabblers, I think, uh, yeah, I don't think you used that phrase, but I'm going to use it. The dabblers who um, just, you know, just know enough about divorce to be dangerous, but don't really know enough about the law to really set expectations correctly and advocate for the client in a meaningful way cause so much, so many problems. But what is it you don't like about mediation? Um, well, I can tell you, I, I've used certain mediators, who, and you kind of touched on this, where I, I hate to say this, but it feels like they're just trying to make a buck. They want to tell their life story for an hour, then they want to regurgitate, I've read everyone's position. I understand that husband feels blah, 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 blah. And I understand that wife feels blah, 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 blah. And you know, one time back in 1993, I had a case like this. And then the client is sitting there going, I'm paying this person to talk about nonsense. And next thing you know, it's lunchtime. And the client feels like I've just hemorrhaged $2,000 paying my lawyer to sit here and listen to this person talk. <laughs> I don't like when there's a lot of time wasted. I like yeah. what you said about... I want to get down to get down to the facts. That's it. We're here. Let's mediate. Let's get it done. So I think sometimes mediation can be abused a little bit in terms of, of a time and money suck. That's, that's probably my biggest complaint. Um, and, and one other thing that I don't like, and this really goes into why it's important to, I think, leave with a signed term sheet 
when you leave mediation. Sometimes, especially when you're caucusing, the mediator has a discussion with one party and wife's understanding is, is X. And then husband's understanding on that same issue is Y. And we all find out after the fact that, oh no, that's, that's not what we agreed upon. And then the whole settlement falls apart. I've had that happen too many times. So now I really, I won't leave without a signed term sheet because I've, I've, I've been on both sides of that where you want to be able to say, hey, we agreed on this. Here it is. Here's your signature. It's done. I could not agree more. Um, I love typing up term sheets at the end of mediation, but what? here's what I don't like. I'll type it up. I'll give it to the attorneys. And would you believe, I'd say 80% of the time, both parties and the attorneys sign it as is. There's like, it's almost like no critical analysis of the wording I use because I use neutral phrasing, right? I don't advocate for anybody. But I, I think most people forget that that's a binding document, that if you can't actually put it into a settlement agreement, a judge could just slap that to the judgment of divorce and say, we're done. Yep. So, uh, you know, there needs to be some meaningful sort of evaluation of what you're signing. And also, I've seen this has come up, it just came up recently in a case where we did a term sheet and one of the, one of the parties, uh, something that was in the term, there was something left out of it, number one which again is, you know, that's why you have to review the term sheets very carefully. And secondly, there was some uh, mistake of a calculation that was made. And, um, and so fortunately, the, the other side agreed to come back in and reevaluate the term sheet, which was the professional good faith thing to do. Legally speaking, they didn't have to do that. But, you know, sometimes we do things that are practical and right as opposed to what we could do under the law because, again, you're trying to set people up for a good life after this. You don't want to set them up to continuously be fighting about everything. Um, but in that case, the attorney representing this client um, didn't go through didn't go through the the math while I was in the other room. Didn't actually review the term sheet carefully with their client. Didn't go line by line through her notes and look at what the term sheet said. And what ended up happening was a term sheet that was signed that the client was upset about. The client was crying at the end of mediation. And I think the attorney just wanted to get out of there and was just like, just sign it really quick. So I agree with you. Term sheets are invaluable, but you have to make sure your client doesn't feel rushed and that the term sheet yes. is comprehensive and actually includes everything that um, you agreed to. Um, otherwise, you know, you might be in a pickle later on. Like they say, the devil is in the details. The devil is in the details. Absolutely. Well, Allison, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so happy to have you on and I hope to have you on again because I want to talk to you again. I want to talk to you about how we choose a divorce attorney to begin with because I, I would love it that I would, is I, thank oh, you so much for having me I would on. love to come on anytime you would like I am I'm so thrilled I'm glad I'm so glad that you have your own firm now so proud of you and thank I know you. you're just gonna you and your partner are just going to really do well again if you'd like to work with Allison you can give her a call at 732-867-8888 nine four you can also find her on facebook at art and sutech law 
So just search that in your search bar on Facebook and you'll find it. And she's also uh, told me, I can tell you that if you call and you mention this broadcast, that she will give you a free consultation, which she does not do. She does not give free consultations. So that is quite a nice little thing that she's doing for our listeners. So if you are in the East Brunswick area or in Middlesex County and you need a good divorce attorney, please go find Allison. I know people have asked me all the time, why do you have people that are quote-unquote competitors on your show and I always tell people the same thing in a divorce there needs to be two attorneys there's two people so you know it's just silly plus I love Allison and I love to talk to her about anything anyway thanks for joining us and we will see you next time